dummy, 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 dummy. You're still here. It is the seventh episode of the Choose Your Own podcast. And I can't believe I've made it. Like, I remember the days where I was too afraid to hit record for the very first intro. And here we are, um, eight weeks in, I guess. So thank you so much for joining. And I hope that you're getting um, something out of uh, listening other than getting really sleepy because I know that our time, <laughs> these are lengthy podcasts. So I'm going to try and get them a little shorter. But I'm having such a good time in chatting with everybody that you just don't, you lose track of time. If you've got any feedback for us, I hope that you'll start uh, letting us know if there's, you know, someone that you, if you know me and you know of a friend that um, has inspired you and you'd like me to cajole them a little bit to see if they'll join me on the podcast, let me know. If I'm going to start, I think, introducing some topics in the next, um, in the coming months that have a bit more to do with um, my own, not my life, but uh, elements of our life with autism. And not about autism specifically, but just in how we kind of navigate the different challenges uh, that we encounter with the boys when it comes to everything from behavior to personal care to caregiving uh, in itself to, you know, planning for the future um, doing it as a single parent, whatever you're interested in and you'd like to know a little bit more of, please drop me a line. You can uh, feel free to send an email to info at willowjack.com. And if you look at the show notes, you'll find contact information there. You can also visit our website at willowjack.com. Um, that being said, this week was pretty exciting for me. I know that a lot of people you know, it mock the whole idea of social media, especially with our generation, my generation of these, you know, 45 and over um, that my <laughs> Jacob loves to make fun of all the time because, you know, his age group doesn't even go on Facebook anymore. And here we are living on it, many of us. Um, but a lot of people mock it for the fact that they say that they, why would they want to be on there and reconnect with friends from decades ago that they don't know anymore? And while I agree with you on many counts, you know, we don't, I don't necessarily need more friends. There are people that I've had throughout the course of my life that have meant a lot to me and they've really left an imprint on me in one way or another. And for those people, and if you're listening to any of those people, I I really value um, the time that we did share. And one of those people in particular is a childhood friend named Amanda. And Amanda was, if memory serves correctly, I was the new kid, which I'd been more than once in my time growing up um, at new schools as we kind of moved around a little bit. And I was the new kid in the fourth grade. And, you know, being the new kid and being in a French immersion program, which was a, a program, if there's any American or um, European listeners, um, we it's a tight knit group because there's usually only one or two classes in an entire school system. Um, that kind of follows that stream or track in school, or at the time, that's how it worked for us. And so the French immersion group was pretty tight. Um, they'd all been together since kindergarten, year after year, and I entered in the fourth grade, so I was the new kid. 
And Amanda, I don't know if we sat beside each other. I think we did. Um, and we just instantly connected, you know, she was a book lover like I was, and we make several references to that in the podcast. <laughs> um, we were definite book nerds and I was so, I think she's truly one of the best book friends I've ever had. And I've never forgotten her. We absolutely lost touch. Um, after I left two years later, uh, that was way back, we figured out in 1986. And it was decades before we connected again on Facebook. Facebook, definitely, you know, you you connect with someone, you kind of say, oh, hi, it's so great to hear from you or see you again. And what are you up to? And you kind of have your chit chat back and forth. And usually that's kind of where it ends. Um, although I'm, I'm interested in kind of following how people are doing, but with Amanda, it was a little different. I'd, I'd seen kind of some of the posts that Amanda had been putting up over the last, you know, five years or so. And I learned that she was a caregiver to her mother. And we discussed that at length, um, in this podcast, but it's something that unites us in many ways. Um, although I am not a caregiver to a parent, um, and the circumstances are very different. I am a caregiver to my children, and there are a lot of parallels. And we discovered a few more than the obvious as well in our conversation. So um, it was a difficult conversation at times for Amanda to get through. And I'm so grateful that she trusted me um, to talk about some of this heavy stuff. So I hope that you um, can take the time to hear this one out. I think that Many of us, if we are not already in a situation where we are entrusted with the care of a loved one, we may soon be so um, in the years coming um, as our parents age. So I think that you might get something from the conversation. And if you don't find yourself in this situation, maybe you'll just have a little bit more care for the caregivers out there. So settle in hope you enjoy and uh thank you for being with us hey amanda hi stacy what's going on well we've got about well how many years would we have to catch up on i was just thinking about that 1986 was the last time i think i've seen you Oh my gosh, is it really that long? That makes me old. We um. are old. We are old. <laughs> we can't pretend. <laughs> but I, I do. I think it was 1986. Yeah, that is crazy. Right. Yes. So I don't want to do the math and embarrass myself, but yeah. um, it's been but a yeah. long, long time. And in fact, I <laughs> think I can even remember like the very last time I saw you. Unless. What? I do, oh. unless there was like a a sleepover or something that might have happened after the fact, but I don't know if I dreamt that or if it really happened, but I have a memory of school ended, it was the sixth grade, finished school, and I knew I was moving away, like a huge move from Pickering to Scarborough. That's true. It seemed so far. And I knew that I had an opportunity um, in the summer before I moved where, and I think we somehow coordinated it to meet at like a park at the lake. And I'm pretty sure it was you. It was you. And oh my gosh. yeah, I do because I got a card 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I won't name last names, but it was with you and it was with Jeff and there might've been a third person with us. Yes. And it was, it might've been an Ajax even like at a beach park or something like some kind of park or pathway near a lake. And I remember I got a card from one of you guys that was like Snoopy on the cover saying, I bet you I still have it in a basement somewhere. That's hilarious. I mean, also seems so random because I don't remember hanging out with Jeff in grade six, but I know it was like well, that grade six. I was in that split class, right? So grade six was an, oh, an awkward year for me. Was I my life trauma, but I don't <laughs> think we were in the split class. We were like five people in the split class. Was I in the same we, class with you then? No. We wrote notes in grade five that I distinctly remember. Oh my gosh. Um, but in grade six, I was an outcast because of, um, I mean, I was a nerd, but also because uh, I was in that, we were in the portables. We were like, oh. you guys were with, I think you guys had like, uh, I remember the teacher. We can name her. Yeah. Yes. And I did see her again. I saw her again in later life. I saw her, um, now I'm trying to remember if it was before I moved or after, but my ex-husband taught and she was his principal. Oh my gosh. Yes. That would make total sense. Um, Yeah. Because we have a friend that teaches um, and that's how I connected with her again. Well, there you go. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Well, I didn't remember that you weren't in class with me because you're just always in my memories of that time. I didn't remember a separation. And what's a bit embarrassing that defines you and I both, I think, is that I have probably more memories of the books I read in those years (laughs) than I do of the people. And yeah, yeah, like I remember the very first book. Um, when I joined you guys so for a little bit of background for people not that they're really going to care um, <laughs> but uh, I was kind of entering into your school where you guys were already established as a group of friends in the French immersion program um, and I came along my parents had separated I had lived further east in the GTA and we kind of had a start over um, kind of situation with my mom and we moved to the Pickering and Ajax area. And I joined your class in the fourth grade. So I was there from fourth till sixth. And I remember um, I remember coming into the classroom and being introduced to the garbage pail kid stickers. That was like a huge thing. <laughs> <What? that> <laughs> yeah. And I remember being so shocked that people like fought over them and like traded them and had them stuck on everything. And then I also remember um, being introduced to those um, homemade book jackets that we used to make in school. Yes. You remember that? Yes. <laughs> like, I forgot all about that. And I think we would use like plain brown paper to cover our textbooks and then we'd stick those garbage pail stickers all over them. Yes. And yeah. I remember the first book I think that I read that I went out and bought a copy of, you know, I think when I first had kids, because I had such fond memories of it, was Pierre Burton's The Secret World of Og. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've got that copy. That I was still our have grade it. Four book because it was the English book that we read. Yeah, um, I loved right? it. Yeah, I'm I did too. Such a book nerd. Oh my god. Well, Amanda, it's so great reconnecting with you, and I. It is odd. I know that Facebook is one of those weird things where <clears throat> you get people that say, "Oh my gosh, why would I want to reconnect with someone that I only knew for a year or two when I was a kid?" Or you know, but. I think because I moved around not a lot, but I I never really felt like I had a home base because I kind of moved all throughout school. So I was always coming in to French immersion where there was an established group of kids that I was the new kid in each of the scenarios that I kind of entered into. And I, so I never really had the long standing friendships that lasted all through all those years. Um, so when I had like good friends from the different times of my life, they just stuck in my memory. And as we've chatted before, I don't have huge memories of things that happened, but I absolutely have great fond memories of the friendships that we did have. And you were definitely one of them all those years ago and reconnecting with you on Facebook was this kind of cool thing. I don't even know how that happened either, but I'm grateful that it did. Yeah. And I think you kind of let some stuff slip, maybe not slip, it was it was intentional, I'm sure, that you were talking about your life a little bit. And I was drawn to it just because people that go through tough things is kind of something that I connect with. And I think that's kind of what brought us. That's we love company. Um... It's true. <laughs> yes, it's so true. I well, <laughs> but, you know, and inspiration, but certainly... It's true. It's true. Well, I do think that there were a couple of things in particular that we can touch on as you tell a little bit of your story, but there were specific things that drew me to you because I think they're unique kind of um, situations that not everybody has a, a great idea about unless they're in the similar situation. So let's go back a little bit since I'm doing all the talking and it's not supposed to work that way. <laughs> and tell us a little bit, if you could, um, before we get to the kind of those moments that define your life, give us a little background about where you're at or where you were at prior to the first moment that you want to talk about. Uh, sure. So, um, you know, I... You, you left us in grade six and I kept going um, <laughs> the French immersion program uh, in Pickering and, um, you know, went to high school with all my, those same friends. Um, didn't have a lot of, I don't know, worries really. Like when I think about it, just pretty carefree and played my sports. I was a huge new kid on the block fan and, uh, well, we'll definitely have to talk about that. Yeah, don't worry. I just have to say this because they announced a tour today. And I was like, <laughs> oh, how fun. Um, <laughs> so, so, so I was in high school, basically. And then I went on to university and I did radio and television production um, at Ryerson, thinking I was going to be some writer for a TV show or maybe a producer. And then I graduated and thought, no, there's no way I'm going to do that because I can't work in such an environment. <laughs> oh, like, really? Crazy. Uh, yeah, because I was like, I just can't. I just, you know, my parents paid for the school and, and there's no way I can just make this little money and have people right. around and treat me terribly. Um, right. I'm just getting tired of that. And I'm not very good at playing the game. Yeah. Um, 
I'm just not. Uh, so it, I was just like, I need to do something else. So I worked in uh, at an advertising agency and started like kind of from the bottom and, you know, worked my way thinking, oh, maybe I'll do production and um, bounced around to a couple of different agencies doing different things and then settled, oddly enough, doing financials um, and helping with client financials within an advertising agency environment, which seems kind of strange, but um, yeah. Yeah, I just had a great aptitude for numbers and oh organization. Gosh. Not um, me. And <laughs> I mean, look, there, there are these things, you know, there's Excel now, which is amazing and helps me do a lot. But, um, you know, I just, and I understood what everybody's job was. So I understood, right. you know, what needed to get done. And I understood why certain team members were so busy trying to execute and what they were doing to execute their projects and why certain things were slipping. So um, anyway, that's, I ended up just dealing with, you know, client financials. I got hired and I stayed with this agency for a long time. Um, And not even because the job was great, to be honest, but because I really enjoyed the teams that I was working with. And I think that is something that has stayed with me yeah certainly and also in my life I'd like to enjoy the people I hang out with yeah um, and who know me and and um particularly now as my time my free time is less it's very important that I spend time with people who I want to spend time with not (laughs) and not waste it sounds awful like I'm so no it doesn't but like I just don't have time to spend it with people who are not worth my time or who aren't you know who aren't good friends or you know bringing something uh, or that I'm getting something from or that I'm able to give something to so um that doesn't sound awful at all and I think that's really in line with what so many people are saying coming out of this pandemic right I think that's the realization that so many have come to and I think that it's uh, it's also a blessing because not everybody has that opportunity um, to kind of pick and choose. So you're you're lucky, you're fortunate in many ways to be able to choose that path for yourself. So that's great. Yes, yeah, and I, you know, look, I would be nowhere without you know many of the good friends that I have had in my life and the great relationships that I have had um, and that I continue to have. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I have different, it's funny, I have different groups of friends from different stages or like different agencies or different places of employment or different, you know, school, um, and we're still connected and that's, and that's fantastic. But, um, you know, I wasn't, like, I just thought I would be searching around for somebody that I might get married to and have a lot of kids with, because I really wanted to have a lot of children. And you can ask anybody that I worked with, like I'm, uh, you know, and I still am to an extent quite, I love babies. Um, I got that impression from what I've seen actually on social media. <laughs> you look yeah. like, I, I kind of wish that I had had my kids and known you because you would have made an awesome godmother by the look of things. <laughs> um, I, I'm a stern auntie, um, that, that is for sure, but I <laughs> love uh, children and I, I babysat for many couples because you know I had strict parents my dad was particularly strict so I wasn't allowed to have a job 
um, when I was in high school because my job was to bring home straight A's. That was oh interesting yeah so uh if I was to take on work it was usually babysitting because that was sort of like on off hours um I had a safe you know way to get there and I was brought home properly I I couldn't be you know I don't know meeting boys in the mall (laughs) (laughs) um so I have a family that I uh spent this is so crazy, but probably from grade 10, maybe, maybe grade nine. Um, I, I used to babysit for them every Friday night. Oh, wow. Yeah. Until, you know, until the kids were in high school, like, and I, yeah. still, I still call them my kids. Like they are the kids to this day. Oh my um, gosh. And I'm still in touch with them and they're, they've all grown into these lovely adults uh, and I still chat with the parents. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, I had, I was just like trying to date and um, have babies, like, and think that I wanted to have babies or have a family and work. I worked a lot, um, spent many hours um, thinking that I was, I don't know, looking towards something or like I was this business you know, I would just be career focused until I right. find somebody to go have these children with me. Um, and then, and that didn't, <laughs> that didn't go very well because I'm still single and I have no children um, of <laughs> my own. Um, so, uh, you know, the, but it didn't I, go according to plan. It didn't go according you should to word plan. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and even though everybody kept saying, don't worry, like you'll find somebody like it's, it's, you know, it's one of those weird things. I think that you, you know, like, you know, you'd like to have it happen and you, or, or maybe not. Right. Like yeah. not everybody yeah. has that dream, but um, it's not something that you can really plan for as much as they say, you should have a plan to try and find somebody like you can't really force these things um so I I had actually been thinking about maybe going at it on my own in terms of uh kids because I've never um you know I've just always thought that there's no I'm a big fan and a big supporter of adoption and I have never I was never raised with um the blood, the blood tie being the only tie, like just right. birth the child or um, help uh, help make the child. It doesn't make you a parent. Absolutely, um, I agree with that. And, yeah, uh, I think you know, and that's not the case for some people, but and that's okay. But for me, it doesn't matter. I think I think people. There are certain people who have a lot of love to give and just aren't in a position necessarily to birth a child um yeah or help birth a child that and there are many children in this world who need love need so, it. oh absolutely yeah and so I just thought well maybe I'll I'll think about this and then uh well and then one of those sort of big moments in my life happened um I was sort of like in the best shape of my life and I was like planning to run this trying to train to get ready so that I could do like a full um, marathon and uh I had broke someone had broken up with me like a relationship just didn't work out and I thought it was going to be the one that might work out right and so it's like okay I'm gonna reclaim myself and I'm gonna start running again seriously I'm gonna start doing all these things 
And then I tore my Achilles tendon playing. And, you know, when you're in your 30s and that happens. (laughs) It kind of puts a stop to everything. It does. And also, you don't realize that even in your 30s, you're kind of old. (laughs) (laughs) There's a reason they say that your ideal probably like birth, like time of life birthing for women is in like late teens, uh, early 20s, because you're so physically in the right not right. mentally necessarily, but physically in terms yeah. of prime. Um, but like even in my 30s, which now, you know, I, I would perhaps love to go back to that shape that I was in at that time. <laughs> like that was, it was a hard process to heal. And I remember the guy that was doing the uh, casting for my foot, like, and he just did yeah. all the in the practice medic he was like yeah I see these all the time and uh you know people don't think about it he's like the safest place for me is just on a bike in my in my house oh boy (laughs) how long was how long a process was it to heal from that so you know I did it in in like June time I remember this distinctly I did it in June it took five days for me to get the appointment with the fracture specialist who was like oh my gosh you should have been in here right away to do this of course so I had the surgery like whatever eight days later and you know my foot was still swollen until I I, I had the surgery in June I, my foot would still swell it still does today but like it was still oh, wow. swollen up until like January so it's been like six and a half months I couldn't run for a year like I remember talking to many people uh, who had sports training and physiotherapists, and they're like, "Yeah, I wouldn't try running again for a year." And oh gosh, you can do it at the same way because it's not like you know, I'm not David Beckham or <laughs> like I'm not a, a, a finely tuned athlete who has all these resources and whose money maker was you know the foot, right? Foot. Um, but yeah and that year I booked a trip to Spain and I booked a trip to Trinidad because my cousin was getting married so it was it took longer to heal than it probably should have but it it was a good it it was a year and after that you still and even now like I you live with um I compensate still so yeah not the same Um, yeah and then like literally a, a year like within a year after that my mom um, had her first stroke and were you living at home when that happened yes yeah you so, were uh, okay yeah so both my sister and I were and it's very common not so much common now but like for my generation um that you don't leave until you get married right, right? just sort of that thing um and my sister was in was engaged and her fiance had had just gotten a job in Los Angeles and she was so he had gotten the place and she was like getting ready to move there and then um, and I was you know I was like okay Stacey's gone so like I'll be gone soon too and then yeah her first stroke oh my gosh and So, so how serious was the stroke the first one so it was, uh, I mean, it was unexpected. So even if it wasn't like, they wouldn't classify it as a, as a major event. Um, but it was enough that she was, you know, paralyzed on one side. Um, she couldn't move. She wasn't feeling well. I was bawling. Um, yeah. 
and it's so I mean stressful because you just don't know we've never neither of my parents have had any medical major medical issues before that time right um, and I just remember the guy from the ambulance he's the nicest guy um uh, and he just kept saying it's okay like don't worry it's all right she's at the hospital and I was just like you I just kept saying you can't tell me it's not okay like I, I couldn't uh, even see where it would you know where things would go from there does that make sense like it's, yeah yeah it was just like oh my god this thing has happened um and yeah so it it was bad that she you know they have you have to be stabilized right like after this yeah. happens um they had to confirm that it wasn't a bleeding stroke and that was you know that she got a clot and once that clot is you know, happens uh, if they if they aren't in time to catch it um, and sort of blast the clot, you have to just let it happen. And it's it terrifying. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. Yeah, uh, you're just waiting to see what the damage is, and then they try to work on helping the patient deal with the damage. Um, and it's such a weird. I mean, it's it's a it's a weird thing having a stroke, I think. And for, for doctors telling patients, uh, it's, it's different than treating maybe a heart attack um, because, you know, you can literally cut somebody open and take a look at their heart and find the exact area right. where, the, where the injury has occurred. But with a stroke, um, and if you have a clot and there's no bleeding, and, and it's, you know, you see the damage in the brain. Well, you can't just cut somebody's head open to get into their brain. Right. And even right. still, do you know exactly what will be impacted by exactly. the part of the brain? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's, it could be, you know, it's probably worse for you to do that sort of thing. And I mean, we can, there's all kinds of stuff out there we can talk about stem cell repair and that sort of thing. But, you know, my mother was fairly young when she had her stroke. She was in her six, she was early sixties. Um, but it was still not, you know, it, it just wasn't an option. So you're just waiting for a few weeks. Um, and there, there wasn't even space in the hospital for her. So she was in just like this ER waiting area. And my sister and I just took turns with her, like staying overnight. Yeah. Um, because, you know, as, as COVID sadly has uh, shown, I think more people, it, it's not a, it's, you know, we're not always, we're not in the best um, health situation, healthcare situation, particularly yeah. for elderly. That's for a variety of reasons, but uh, it's only, unfortunately, it's only gotten worse as time has gone on, not better. Um, but, you know, we dealt with it as only, I think we knew how to, you're sort of like on automatic um, pilot in that my sister and I, when we, she finally did get moved to room, she got moved to a different hospital uh, and they had opened up a closed down wing. So we got an entire room and we just brought a blow up bed and put it aside. Just kind of moved in. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, nurses are busy doing jobs, like making sure their patients are alive. They're not worried about it. Do they need ice chips? <laughs> ice right? chips like just the dignity of like, you know, yeah. let's wash your hair today or 
like make sure you brush your teeth. I don't know, like make sure you yeah. before you eat breakfast and like let's clip your nails, like all of those things that I knew would be important to my mom. And yeah, you know, like I just wanted her to feel like you know, she had that still. Right. Well, and you know, I, I'm trying to think of the timing. Um, it would have been 18 years ago, I guess. My father-in-law suffered um, a heart attack and he was hospitalized at the time. Um, and it was the night, I believe it was the night after his heart attack when he had been, unless it was a day, he, they knew that there had been a blockage and that he was going to have to have a couple of blockages um, repaired. Um, and he was waiting. I think they were waiting to move him or to get the angio, I can't remember, is it angioplasty? Is that what the procedure is? Um, to clear it. Yeah. yeah. And um, when they visited, like I can't remember who it was, but when they visited the next morning, they discovered that he had had a stroke overnight because part of the blockage in his carotid had broken off and then caused a massive stroke. Um, and I think, you know, even that to think and look, it's so easy to say, what if, what if, what if, but it does make you wonder, had he had, you know, family, and I'm not blaming any family here at all. I don't remember the circumstances at all. But had there been people by his side, that may not have happened. Um, or he wouldn't have had this serious um yeah. effects from the stroke had he been found earlier um he did survive it but it was you know the, the anyway it was not a pleasant kind of after effect for him at all right and i will say that uh, for anybody who has a, a loved one who has to go into the hospital or into the system again very hard with covid um yeah regulations but if you don't have somebody to advocate for you as a patient it's very hard of course of course so Um, sad it's very sad but you know that 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 is a fault of our system and that um there's only so much room and and honestly they have to triage in a way they think you know, in, in a yeah. way that they think that the care will, you know, benefit the person. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so it was, you know, look, my mother got some really great care. Um, my sister and I were there for that whole time. My sister delayed her time going back to, um, like, going to join her fiance. She sort yeah. of did, like, a month, you know, she'd spend a month at home and then a month out in L.A. And she'd go back and forth for a good year and a half. Um and, you know, we just worked through my mother getting discharged from the hospital, going into rehab. She could still speak um, after her first stroke. So, um, you know, it wasn't that it wasn't an adjustment. We certainly had an adjustment, but right. she still had her independence. She could still do things for herself um, right. and she could vocalize if she needed help. Um, and I was, you know things like you know, like getting your hair washed or like there were certain things that she just needed help with but and right but it wasn't like uh 24-hour care sort of yeah needed now or supervision that's needed now she had you know, independence and to be totally frank if if your mother was someone else who didn't have the family support they likely probably could have just gone on about their life but you provided the ad the added um 
I don't know how you would word that, but I, it sounds to me that you guys added um, the extra support so she could have a better quality of life through that period where some people probably wouldn't even have had that. You know, you provided, I think, an ability for her to rehab appropriately. Right. Uh, yes. I, I yeah. think that also is cultural. Um, yeah. Many West Indians, uh, I mean, even both my parents did that for their parents, right? Like both of their right. mothers were alive. It killed my mother when she had to put her mom into a home, but it just was, it was the only choice because my grandmother right. really needed medical attention 24 hours a day that nobody could provide anymore right. but uh yeah th- we just I, I don't even know maybe in a different family but yeah I, I I don't think that either of us thought any thought twice about it to be was it an option yeah it just wasn't an option and can I ask you, so given that that's kind of your your cultural kind of background or your family background, for that to just be accepted as the norm, because I know that's not the norm, <laughs> you know, like I, I can think of easily many, many families where that just wouldn't have been an option. Um, do you think that, you know, I suspect that there is very little that you would say about how that negatively impacted you? Or the course of your life because you are gracious and a loving daughter that does not want to say that that (laughs) impacted you negatively and that's totally fair um but I am wondering you know in the ways that it did affect you other than kind of putting a bit of a pause on your own um goals maybe or the journey the path that you were on do you think that it was harder um, because it was just kind of the the shock of realizing your parents, um, you know, the fact that that they were the age they were. Like, it was a, that kind of upset, or was it just the? I don't know. I, I, you know, I, don't know, I can say this without getting teary watching. I'm things. sorry, <laughs> but, okay. but it was just. I mean, it was more of a shock that it was my mom. Yeah, angry. Yeah. Just because she's such a warm, lovely person, center of the family, sort of keeping us all, oh, my goodness. That's, no, it's a beautiful thing, Amanda. It's a beautiful thing. So, you know, this is a terrible thing. I don't know, you know, if it was my dad, not that my sister and I wouldn't have had probably similar reaction at first um but uh, you know yeah I don't know but I, for my I hear mom, you. It's, she's it's, the like she's said, the force student, she really is yeah yeah uh, and, you know, after we do this, we're going to post some pictures and on the website uh, for the show notes for this episode of this podcast. But your mom's smile, it, you know, as soon as I've seen photos of her, I remember her instantly. And <laughs> I really yes. do. And when you talk about that warmth, she just kind of embodied that mama spirit. I don't know she how does. else to word it. She, she does. And honestly, she does. Yeah, and not that my mom was not motherly, um, but I never really had that kind of 
feeling in a household and that is one of my memories is being in your home and having that kind of feeling when I walked in and I remember and you're gonna have to tell me what it was she would have been making but there was some kind of bread that she would make um well she just made I mean she makes all kinds she makes regular she makes all roti is probably it was it probably was it was like my first introduction and now oh my gosh I could eat roti every (laughs) single day (laughs) but it was just so great and I do remember you know you go into friends households often and especially with young girls you kind of want to sneak away into the bedroom and you know do your girly things (laughs) but your mom it was like your mom was part of it and yeah. that was what was so awesome about her. So yeah, <laughs> I have great yeah. memories of her. You know, she's, yeah, it's because it's because of who she is. And, you know, one of the things I remember is all these people that came to the hospital um, to see her. And they were like, I'm looking for my, for my mom, Audrey. Like, oh, are you, you know, you work with her? I'm like, yes. Yeah. So like, well, I'm her actual daughter. <laughs> <laughs> It turns out you had many siblings you weren't aware of. Yes. She has a couple of other daughters. um, You know, and we're still kept in touch. And, you know, when she first came here, she was a nanny. Like, she was a helper to this family. who we still really? Yes. Like, it's so crazy. Yeah. Like, isn't that wild? It is. It is. It, ma- it it makes sense it makes total yeah. sense actually yeah. so um yeah so you know that it's just you know it also helped right like it's not like I had a, you know my sister was getting married yeah the whole life that she was going to start in the U.S. and I was still here so it didn't make sense to you know it just it worked it, it logically made sense that it would be me um, right. And we're lucky that my sister has been able still to keep going back and forth. Um, right. Right. Um, except for COVID. Except for COVID. <laughs> well, and, and we're not there yet. So, so <laughs> how long a process was it for your mom? Like, was had had she ever got to a place in a rehabilitation where she felt that she had regained much of what she'd lost, or? Uh, it was probably, I would say it was about uh, two years right. um, and, and uh, regained mostly things. There were some things that wouldn't come back and, and they, you know, like certain movements, certain hands, like how, you know, she can hold her arm and that sort of thing and, and weight bearing. She can't really weight bear on one side, but certainly she could still talk and laugh and, and have those conversations. Her memory was still like, Oh, like I would have killed from the memory. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, she kept herself busy and like, and did things. And, and then. Gosh, pause for dramatic effect. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Six, I'm going to say six years, six years after um, in total. So from her first stroke to her second, she had a second stroke. Gosh. And you, I'm assuming, were still in the home then with your parents again when that happened. Yes. Yeah. 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 It happened in October. And I remember uh, thinking that morning, oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Anyway, it's all right. 
I'm an emoter, as is my mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so much. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, that that morning, like when you talk about second guess yourself, she had gripped my hand because I was like, okay, good night. I'm going out after work because I was going to a friend's uh, pre wedding ceremony. And like, she just gripped my hand and she just like didn't say a word, just sort of mumbled. Yeah. And I just kept going because, you know, yeah. I had to get to work. And then my dad called me in the middle of the day saying, you know, I have to take him to the hospital because I'm gone to the hospital. So, oh, I'm sorry. <sighs> and it's, I- I'm, I can only imagine, Amanda, because, you know, stuff I've gone through, um, there hasn't been that suddenness, like a, a night and day kind of difference or change in my life. And I think anything that is that close to you where I'll, it was one way one minute and then it was completely different the next is that never leaves you, right? Like it can't That's, leave you. It's so true. Yeah, it's so true because it just changed. Um, not to be in it is not been the same um, yeah. in terms of her ability to speak she has aphasia you know her memory her faculties she still has a great smile um, <laughs> which I'm grateful for uh, and a sense of humor at times uh, so she still has a good laugh it's pretty strong but there are a lot of she's, she's not able to live independently she needs somebody to help do most of her daily activities. And may I ask, I know that you wrote about it in one of your blogs um, for the Willow Jack site, but aphasia, is that, can you, I'll just let you, can you define that again? Yeah, so um, you can have different kinds of aphasia. Um, and my mother, unfortunately, has uh, what's known as global aphasia. So it. You know, for some people who have aphasia, they are still able to speak, but um, it's that process is slower, right? Or they can say the opposite of what they mean. So, um, you know, if they're cold, they might say, "I'm hot," um, right? Just because their brain is processing things, uh, the way that message is being sent and how it's coming out is is different. Um, it's mixed up for them. Uh, for some people, they uh, can understand what you're saying to them, but uh, they are unable to vocalize um, and and respond to you with, with proper words. Uh, right. So it comes out maybe sounding like gibberish. Some people can write um, and some people are not able to. So, you know, again, it depends on what part of the brain and uh where the damage is uh, and there are some people who have strokes and lose the ability to speak uh, but it comes back right um, but unfortunately for my mother that wasn't the case and because it's global uh, she you know she could say a few words but it's um, and she can mimic very well right but it's hard for her to find to be able to communicate and say the right word so very and- often Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, um, go ahead. Very often it's like a, a, a word. So like she'll say it's the girl 
I need the girl. And the girl right. could be like, I need my coffee. I need a hairbrush. Yeah. Yeah. A hairbrush. I'm asking about your sister. Like it could be anything. Um, right. And so it's very frustrating for her. She's unable to write. Um, and so that also complicates uh, her communication. Um, and she can only follow now one conversation really at a time, right? Like right. too much stimulation isn't good for her because she's unable to follow, you know, a group of people talking. Um, right. We have to be very specific and deliberate. Um, if there's a group of us, we try to be careful about one, you know, one person speaking at a time. If you're asking Audrey a question, it has to be directly to her. Um, and then sometimes, especially, I mean, with all of us, right? When you get tired, it's even harder. Of course, yeah. <laughs> of course. So you will hit her moment and, and then she's not able to really do those things well. So, yeah. It's hard. Well, and, you know, I know that um, we've had some brief kind of conversations, you and I, back and forth about my Owen and... Both of my boys are considered, I guess, officially nonverbal, um, but Will can communicate some words where Owen is 100% um, apraxic. So he, right. he, but the problem is that we've never, with autism, um, often there's not a lot of, well, there hadn't been, I'll say for their circumstances, there hadn't been a lot of um, work done to kind of establish really where he is at. So is he just apraxic or is there a lack of cognitive kind of understanding as well? We just don't know. Um, I don't know what his true developmental age is. I do believe it's very, very low. Um, okay. um, but I know that what torments me and if I let myself think about it, especially late at night <laughs> is, I am, I'm, I'm absolutely tormented by the thought that he can think as clearly as I can and it just can't come out. And I can only imagine that that fear exists for you as well, because no matter what, you know, a doctor tells you about what part of the brain, which means it's likely this or it's likely that your mom is frustrated, but does she, does she have full complete thoughts that you know are in there that she just, I, I'm, it, it's, it can drive you mad. Like, and I don't want to pick it apart so that it makes you emotional. I'm sorry if it does, but the, I, I can only imagine how difficult that is because that's what torments me. Yeah. Cause you can, you know, for my mom, I could see the defeat yeah and that's hard as somebody's child okay yeah <laughs> and because you know what she could do you know what she had once done right like yeah. for me I don't know I I'm tormented by it because I think I'm not doing enough to to figure it out for him but I still have that little bit of a chance. I still have that chance that maybe he doesn't. Yeah. Like maybe he doesn't have all that. Right. But you know that it was once there and that's even more complicated. And oh my gosh, it's just agony for family. Right. Like, yeah. Different way, but it's still, we both, I would say 
share or have that shared experience of having this complicated thing affect yeah. us, right? And so you and I both know that it's those those three o'clock in the morning or torturing <laughs> yeah. it, during the night are awful things to do to ourselves. It doesn't mean yeah. it doesn't happen, but you know, reasonable us, I'm sure, right? Like yeah. we recently know that this is not the right path to think about. For sure. But um, the human side of us can't help it. And, and no the- amount of therapy or like <laughs> no therapy has been able to get that out of me. So no, I agree. And I do hang on to the thought that if your loved ones know your intentions and if you show them the love and the care and you know, you're not giving up on anything, you know, you're, they know that it doesn't matter at what stage or level of cognition they're at, they feel the love and that's all you can give, you know, and you're doing your best in that regard. So, Oh, Amanda, Amanda, Amanda. Oh, well, oh my God, a lot. I feel like I'm a guest that cried now. That's, that's <laughs> part of my like third year of university. Everybody knew me as the crier. Gosh, I'm <laughs> the, I'm a baller. Don't you worry. I'm usually a baller when I'm mad, which is not good because. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we could do a whole other podcast about being a woman crying in the workplace oh. and a thousand percent you know your delicate feelings and you just wanting to clock somebody yeah we can like amanda that is you're speaking my life actually we'll have to have this in another conversation (laughs) (laughs) not good that's not good (laughs) well okay just to back i guess what i want to say more than anything is that as as difficult as all this has been there you know what's happened to your mom has happened to your mom and it obviously has changed your life but what has impressed me so much about you is I think in telling her story telling the your both of your stories today but also just in your writing everything I've seen of you in the last couple of years it's just all I feel is that love. I guess that's the bottom line. All I feel is that love. You've handled it, you know, with a grace that a lot of people don't. Um, I think that even in the way you speak of your mom um, and, you know, the difficult trials that you guys kind of go through, you're, you're absolutely still speaking of her so that she can maintain her dignity, you know, because there's, some people are not so kind, even when it is loved ones. <laughs> so I, I guess, but, and I also think the, the obvious, like you're still, this is your path right now is, is caring for your mom. I know you're working, but you know, how do, how do you kind of work with that? How is that something that you can reconcile to know, you know, cause you may be doing this for another 20 years. You never know, know. right? <laughs> um, I, I, and the truth is, I, I don't know how to reconcile. Right. And I'll be honest with you. Um, it's sort of a, you know, it's a, it's a struggle. Um, and I think ever so often, you know, you, you talked about you it. You feel yourself, sorry for yourself. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, and everybody has a little pity party, but yeah, I don't want people to feel sorry for me, and I don't want to feel sorry for myself. Um, yeah, but I think you know, you, you need to check in because at some point, you know, I, I, I forget to go to the doctors or I forget right. to do these things, and I, I forget to draw the you know, draw a kind of line between the two, right? You know, caregiver and then life outside of caregiving I Um, totally hear you right and it's hard um but I'm lucky in that I have a great set of friends who always uh you know check in push um encourage uh and encourage forcefully at times and and, and, yeah you know what everybody needs a friend in their life who's going to tell them what the real deal is and and just be able to say it uh, right without worry of consequence or um, offending or whatever and I am very lucky that I have a very strong group of women around me and males around me who are not afraid to tell me that um, that's good uh, yeah that's and, good and we'll force the issue um, and I have my sister who <laughs> is <laughs> not afraid to break down yeah be like take a look at yourself in the mirror kid you need to (laughs) like you need to do something and work on that (laughs) that's good that's good because you know I do I don't want to make this all about caregiving and me but I will say that it is very easy I think for the caregivers of the world that once the rest of the world kind of labels you with that title and probably because you've labeled it to yourself I think it's often easy for people to kind of let you accept that role and then think that you know you should be grateful for anything over and above that that you get and that can happen very easily I really do believe that and I don't think anyone is you know cruel um in their intentions for that to happen but it just becomes normal like I think I had a conversation recently with um Actually, I won't point them out because they'll be very upset. But I had a conversation recently with someone about this. And I said, you know, I I don't, I really don't have a life. And they said to me, well, I, you know, because of COVID, I haven't done much. And I said, no, you don't understand. Like I said, the right now in my life, the only faces that I see are my boys, my dad, occasionally, who will come by to, you know, run an errand or something. I have a a dear older lady in the community that I also connect with and she helps out and I help her out. And um, the others are maybe the boys bus driver, (laughs) you know, and that literally, and, and my ex-husband of all things, like that is not someone on my (laughs) short list, but sadly, if he's going to see the boys, he sees them at my house and it means I have to see him. So that's not even like that's not even no, a great ex- and I'm I'm laughing about it, but it's a sad you know, existence. I don't even know him, and I'm just like, yeah, I, 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 I can imagine that feeling. Like, oh, it's awful. And yeah. I think I, when I was having the conversation, I think I shocked them because I don't think they realize the extent of what it means when you are taking care of someone else. Because really, 
you know, you as well, you, you could pay someone if you have the money, you could pay someone to take care of your mom, you know, you could, right? If, if you had, if you had to, I, right. And I know I could, I frankly, we, there are no funds to do that right now anyway, but I don't have a single person right now that I could call up and say, I need an hour. I've got a doctor's appointment. There's no one right now that I could do that with. And so that means it's all the time, right? It's all the time. And I think that people get used to it. And then very quickly over time, those friends, because I've said no a million kajillion times, those friends stop asking because they know you're going to say no. Um, You know, so this is a long rant, but I will say if your friends are listening, (laughs) I love them for what they're doing for you. And I hope they continue because, you know, 10 years from now, if you're still Amanda doing the same thing, I hope that they're still doing that for you because it gets harder and harder and you need that you need that constant prodding because I give up on myself I just kind of I say no to things even if I do have an hour to myself because I'm so tired I don't want to rally yeah I look I I hear you yeah I I had time off um you know I I didn't I was uh restructured out of my job uh you know whatever when was it 20 yeah just before the pandemic and I was like okay I'm gonna get some time I'm gonna sort myself out and you know because I have this little bit of time and well and then the pandemic happened (laughs) and and I had to like go help my sister before the pandemic so I went down to the states for a little bit and like I was still running around and looking after my mom looking after my sister like doing all these things that weren't for me yeah I'm like I'm gonna spend some time on me and then then I can look for a job and then the pandemic happened and you know yeah you know I still look for a job but I also got to sleep right I just it's like that you know when your mother you know they say I know when the baby sleeps you sleep Uh, but when the baby doesn't sleep (laughs) Mm -hmm. my mother Mm -hmm. sleep I can't really sleep um and I just hope that if I fall asleep, you know, I can still hear her. So I wake up as soon as I hear a little movement of her pain or I hear her trying to get, you know, to, to move around. But yeah, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, though, I know, you know, it can be very, as much, as great as it is that I have all the support and I have all these people. Uh, right. And I have friends who will push me it's ultimately me right it is in the way it's only you like it's only me here so I mean I have my dad I have my sister but I I get it you can't just come around so we are the you're going to be the only person responsible to make sure that you are getting out and trying Um, and I don't always you know sometimes it's too people out there I've spent a lot of time on my own, even before my mom had her stroke, because yeah, you know, I was I was on my own, so I had to learn to like all parts of my being alone, bad and ugly, yeah, and being alone. yeah, well, I'm okay with some time alone, um, but it is very important to have people that you can have an outside connection with. COVID has yeah. made it very hard that I can't see people physically the way I would like although I've managed a couple of outings uh distanced but um 
thank God for technology and, uh, you know, text messages and yeah, you know, WhatsApp so that uh, even if we couldn't be together physically, I had someone, you know, just making sure that I was, you know, getting up, brushing my right. teeth, right, doing all those things, which, you know, I still did. I might not have worn deodorant for a good year, but <laughs> I, but I I did have, you know, I was clean. I did, I was able to have a bath, like, or shower every day. Oh, boy. I wanted it to be, but I did those things. Yeah. And still managed to keep my mother and father sane and alive. (laughs) Well, and, and we're talking about how, you know, when you say it's only you and you are the one that's responsible, you're the one that's responsible for f- how to find the the where what I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. You're the one who's got to dig deep to keep finding that positivity. And I yeah. positivity is a word that I don't like all the time. There's more to it than just being positive. Um, yeah. It's it's having a purpose that is outside of your immediate kind of world. I think as well. And for me, I, I don't know. And I talk all the time about how I draw strength from the people around me. But when I've been thinking a lot about what I've done when I felt stuck or trapped, and I, I used to say that it was that I have a choice and I can change my mindset and I can, you know, focus on the positive and continue to look for joy and all those things. And those are all very true things. But what I'm realizing, the real thing is what's kind of kept me going even in the last two years, because the last two years have been my worst. I I shouldn't say my worst. They've been my hardest. Um, Is I think it's that I'm dreaming again. You know, I've got real goals that are, they're possible, even with my circumstances. And I think I've kind of had to accept the fact that I, what if I never have another I've got a lot of friends. I have a lot of people I love and care about. But what if I have no friends? (laughs) What if I don't have a family support other than what if it's just me and my boys, just me and my boys and nobody else? I've got to be okay with that because people aren't always there at your disposal when you need them. So if that's all I have, what can I still find joy in? For me, it's setting a goal and going for it. And I think I've got real ideas about what I want to do for the legacy of the boys, you know, and I, I have to dream as well. Cause I don't have a plan for their future, right. you know, who's going to take care of them when I can't take care of them anymore. So that's a really scary thing, but I think dreaming is a big part of it. And so for you, what do you think you've got that you're still kind of, or, and I don't want to say you don't have to be a dreamer necessarily, but other than your friends, what is it within you, do you think, that you're drawing on to kind of keep that momentum yeah. going? Funny, I, I honestly, Stacey, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like my mother certainly keeps me going. Right. Like, I do a lot of what I do because of her. Um, right. But you know, like I have a godson who I just, I just love him to death. And COVID has kept me away from him for two years because he lives in England. Um, uh, so I'm so, you know, fingers crossed he comes home to see the rest of his family, his Canadian family uh, this year at Christmas time. That's what we're hoping. Um, and I, you know, I can't wait to do a bunch of stuff with him. 
right? Like, you know, the yeah. plan was that we would see each other at least, at least twice a year. Um, and as it gets older, you know, like summer vacations over here or like going on, you know, I can't wait to take him to Disney World so that he can like see Disney um, and I want to experience it with him. Yeah. Um, you know, when he's the right age and he, right now he loves the Avengers. And so I can't wait for him to come at Christmas. I don't know that he's going to sit through a, like a live action movie. He's he's not quite there yet, but I'm hoping I can coax him. <laughs> <laughs> Loves popcorn the usually works so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see you know and he you know he loves the costumes and i'm teaching him little things for each of them you know i want to i want him to understand that like his dad's a big football you know football soccer fan, so he's yeah got that going for him over there so i don't have to work too hard for that um but he's got this creative streak so i can certainly help with that and you know, maybe he will be an actor or maybe he will write something fantastic when he grows older. But, you know, he's he's very much on my mind as uh, this, this joyful uh, piece of my life. So there's lots of stuff that I want to do with him and for him and I want us to be able to do together. And I've certainly, you know, his mother uh, knows that, his parents know that, that these are all things that I want us to be able to do, and they have things that they want to do with them, but they also know that I want to do some things with them. That's nice. That yeah, is nice. Very much looking forward to that, and you know, his mother, his mother actually uh, is like my mother's other daughter, like grew up Aww. here in the house, you know, calls my mommy Auntie Audrey, um, so I grew up with her, like she was like a little cousin or a little, little, little sister. Uh, so it's kind of nice that we are able to sort of share this and, and she had a child and now, you know, now I've got to do some stuff with them. And because I feel like I've changed her diapers, <laughs> and she, knows, <laughs> she knows exactly how my mother treated her when, you know, she would come over here. It's exactly how, you know, I treat. You will treat. Yeah. Wish. And he knows this and, uh, you know, I, I make sure that I'm embedded in his, his life and that, you know, that he remembers, he can say all of our names and, you know, call and talk to me. So, you know, I have, he's quite a, quite a light that I have actually. I'm looking very much forward to being able to spend some time with him. And there's some things that I want to do over the next few years with him. So that, that's a nice thing to. That is. And thank God for technology, like you said, again, because you're able to have um, a pretty amazing quality, uh, you know, quality of relationship with people that are across the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, honestly, I think that your mom did a great job. I think raising you, Amanda. <laughs> I think I think that, you know, there's a reason I I don't like saying that there's a reason for everything, but I think that the qualities that she put in you are coming back to her a million fold right now. Um I just hope I hope for you and I both <laughs> that we can find good things outside of this caregiving role we've got you know I think we yeah. deserve to have some layers maybe you could write a book yeah, maybe you could write a book about it all uh, yeah I could um I have a kid's book in mind actually my mother used to Do tell you me. yeah my sister and I I feel like that's something that needs to happen 
Um, yeah. 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 I've got a, I've got a few little creative ideas. I, I make see that. Surprise. Uh, I may still surprise the world. Um, well, it won't surprise you know, me because I kind of expect surprise. you to do that. <laughs> Well, I, I think in in closing this up, I do have to kind of go back to our roots a little bit. And I'm I'm thinking back to, you know, you and I were talking about what memories we still have of each other. And sadly, it's a lot of reading, 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 reading. <laughs> and, you know, you just had the best place to live because you lived right across the street, practically, from that secondhand bookstore. And I remember... Yeah. Oh, I remember being so jealous that you were so close to it. And if I remember correctly, I think we could sell our books back to them, couldn't yeah. we? And yeah. Oh, yeah. it was like the best. It was so fantastic. Right. And so I've got a couple of questions for you here that are not quick fire, but just a bit of a multiple choice kind of deal. Okay. Um, back to books so if you had to choose if your grade six reading or grade five reading self had to choose would she choose a novel from the sweet dream series <laughs> sweet, sweet valley high or vc andrews oh my gosh now that's a hard one because vc andrews also like you know and that yeah. sort of taught me a lot of things that I wasn't <laughs> sure I was even feeling at that point. Well, it was a little more <laughs> mature than Judy Bloom. I think Judy Bloom is an absolute favorite, but VC Andrews was yeah. pretty <laughs> yeah. level. Um I, I think I'm gonna stick to uh sweet dreams. Um, really? Yeah, because I think the first this is gonna sound really weird, but there was that, like, the, I think the first Sweet Dreams book ever was called P.S. I Love You. Oh, my gosh. Then, I remember that. Right? And then that same girl was on the cover for, um, there was, and there ended up being a sequel later on. Um, but uh, where she found, I don't want to give it away, spoiler alert, but, like, where she <laughs> finds love Spoiler again. alert from a book from 40 <laughs> years ago, right? Yeah. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> But um, I was I actually had a friend in high school who collected them all and wanted to gift like oh, wow. that series to, you know, if she had a kid and she did have a daughter. So I'm assuming her daughter uh, wow. not old enough yet, but like probably has received this wealth of a, an amazing collection. Um, but it would probably be Sweet Dreams because I, yes, I love you. I remember the cover. I remember the girl on the cover. I didn't look anything like the girl on the cover. Um, but I remember yeah. eyes. I remember something about, uh, I don't know if it was P.S. I love you or if there was one called Tiger Eyes even. I can't Tiger remember. Okay, that's right. That's right. See, my memory stinks. I just remember how much I loved them. And Sweet yeah. Valley High. Oh my gosh, I loved those stupid yeah. books. I know. So dumb. I can't believe how much Elizabeth and I don't even remember her twin sisters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like boyfriends and cars and like California. Just uh, California. Oh God, I thought about all those things. <laughs> so bad that and like Snoop Dogg like <laughs> well I, I will tell you too one of my things that kind of happened when I moved on when I left the year school and I moved on to Scarborough um, I remember being so upset because when I got to the new school they didn't have the MS readathons 
And oh. that was like my time to shine. Yeah. MS readathons yeah. were like, I yeah. finally found the thing that I could do well at school. You know, I wasn't the athlete, but I could read a book. And I think I won one year. Yeah. I won like a, a little plaid Scotty doll or something. <laughs> from the-, <laughs> the dog, right? Like the dog. Yes. Yeah, because we could move so much and right, like they'd have room for like ten books or something, and like yeah, and like you could read like fifty of them. Yeah, we're like we need a second sheet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it was you and I. Like I think at the end it was you and I. Uh, You know, well, good thing that we weren't competitive against each other because I think we swapped everything we read. Yeah, exactly. Basically, yeah. I think so. Oh, I loved those days. Okay, and my next question is, oh, if you okay. only had one last ticket purchase that you could make in your lifetime, oh my which God. would you choose between the New Kids tour or the Raptors in a final <gasps> game seven? What's what it going to be? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I know. What are you gonna do? I don't know. Amanda. I might have my uh, I might have my new kids <laughs> provoked, but I think I would choose the Raptors in a final game. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Well, because and the new kids they just keep coming back. Like they're gonna be there over right? and over and over. You know, when some celebrity passes, right? And and I think yeah. about that I get I just you know and people will make some comments and I would always say you know God help all of you but if anything happens to Donnie Wahlberg <laughs> I, I would be a mess for a good amount of time given to me I have to say that <laughs> the I money think... that I spent on him one or the other <laughs> when I was never a huge new kids fan my sister was my sister was obsessed absolutely obsessed I never got into any of the boy bands really um but I will say that I think when I first saw you on Facebook and I realized that you were a diehard you know I think you had a picture of a crew were you on a cruise yeah 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 i went on a cruise own it it. well listen i think that i probably went what amanda and now since then because it's probably been maybe 10 years that i've seen you on facebook since then i have a total love for donnie Wahlberg. that guy i've like (laughs) eaten up everything all the reality tv stuff that they put out there I know. know, and I, I really love Jenny McCarthy. Jenny, but um, what can I do? At least he went old. This is, you know, I say he went. He finally went. Started to date older. Um, just he went for the blonde. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh well, I have. I've got two. I've met Jenny McCarthy twice, and I I shouldn't talk about it too much on this podcast because she's not um, necessarily beloved in the autism community but I did see her at a couple of autism conferences and I thought she was amazing I actually really really loved her um but I like I like all the stuff I've seen like he's a good guy he's a good guy I can see why there's love there yeah and 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 at the end of the day if it can't be me (laughs) Johnny's so happy (laughs) 
you know, I'm happy for it to be Jenny. Uh, you know, she's she's How gracious of you, you know, right? Like, <laughs> so there's that. Actually, <laughs> you're kind of close, right? Oh, <laughs> so gracious of you, Amanda. <laughs> um, yeah. So, no, I just uh, my childhood. I, I'm sure that it, you know, as as with every childhood thing. Um, you know, it's, it's in your dreams, it's fine. But uh, <laughs> in reality, I think we have different political views, so I don't know that it would work out for Donnie and I. But oh, I'm very happy. Bad. He's like he's so happy, and I can't do that enough. <laughs> right? I can't do that, and, it, and she goes along for the ride and all these tours. So this is true. You know? This is true. Yeah, you gotta respect the wife that can do that. Yep. Yes, you do. <sighs> so. Anyway. Well, I had more questions, but I think we should end it on that note because that's pretty that's pretty sweet right there. Yeah. That's pretty sweet right there. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Amanda, I'm so happy I got to catch up with you like this. Yeah. It seems so crazy. It's it is really crazy when you think about it that we've reconnected in this way, but I'm very grateful and I'm so grateful for your writing on the blog as well. Oh my gosh, thanks for the chance. Honestly, mm-hmm. this was such a such a surprise when you messaged and I was so honored (laughs) well I just I I get a lot out of it like it's it's completely selfish I'm not joking I think that everybody that's contributed I feel like I've gotten so much from all of it even your posts about running which is something you're never going to find me do (laughs) but I'm still I'm still even the ones with soccer sorry football talk i'm like okay i can i can find something in this that uh, i'll tell you that my aversion to football is again from the x so uh gosh think about my little godson playing and uh, you know we can try and we'll try and give it to new memories stacy okay okay well i I did have man what's that watch she's the man with the man divine and Channing Tatum I have seen that and I remember your post about that too but it's been so long that I don't remember it I might I I know you don't have a lot of time but I have time for that I have time for that it's a good silly ridiculous laugh and there's football in it so Uh oh well I guess I'll try (laughs) I'll try well thank you Amanda so much thank you so much fun and honestly, for anybody listening, I should say too, so there will be some uh, notes on the website, hopefully the same day that this comes out. And I cannot believe this is our seventh episode already of this podcast. Lucky seven. Lucky seven. And I'm sure I'm going to have you back on with some big news, like when you write that book or whatever other big fun things are coming for you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Amanda. Right. We'll talk Thank soon. You. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. This has been a Willow Jack podcast, Choose Your Own After, released on October 7th, 2021. Interview by Stacey Haley, special guest Amanda Kuhlman, sound effects William Haley, and produced by Liza McCullen. As a postscript to this episode, we want to thank you for coming along with us on this podcast journey. The authentic stories don't end here, though. You can check them out on the blog and join the Facebook fam and the Insta community, and all of that info will be in the description below. As promised, across all these platforms, we will never be perfect, but we will always be real. 
Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Oh yeah!